Welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan. Because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason, and here we delve into those reasons. I have a fascinating conversation for you today with licensed clinical psychologist Natalie Feinblatt. We talk about how she got into horror late in life her favorite movies that deal with cults, and why she thinks horror fans are better at dealing with life's darker sides. We also talk a lot about the portrayal of therapists and mental health facilities in horror movies, plus which ones do it well. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you love the show and haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. It's so appreciated as it really helps people to find us. So now let's continue Women's History Month with my conversation with Natalie Feinblatt. Hey everyone, today we have a friend of mine from the Bloody Good Horror community, Natalie Feinblatt. We play trivia together sometimes and she's also a psychologist. So I really wanted to have her on to talk about psychology and horror. So let's bring her on. Hey Natalie, how are you? I'm good. Hi Allison, thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for being here. Do you wanna start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself, where you're from, et cetera? Sure. So I am a licensed clinical psychologist here in Los Angeles, California. This is where I was born and raised. I've been here for most of my life. My career, I started out working mostly in treatment facilities. And then that was like the first half of my career. And then approximately the second half, I have been in private practice for the most part, which is what I'm doing now. I'm just seeing people for individual therapy with adults and yeah, I'm also a horror fan. I, <laughs> that's how we met, part of the, the bloody good horror Slack community that we belong to. And I've done a few, I, I do a good number of podcast interviews and I've also done a tiny bit of television, but it's usually about, it's not about horror movies. <laughs> it's about the work that I do specifically. Usually it's about the fact that I specialize in working with former cult members, my big specialties are addiction and trauma, but the cult thing gets a lot of attention. So I, I do a lot of stuff for that. But I recently filmed an interview for, I'm not going to say what it is right now, but for something that has to do with me both being a therapist and a horror fan. So we'll see what comes of that in the future. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to see what happens with that. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. So first things first, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh my goodness. I should have known you were going to ask that. <laughs> my standard answer to that is the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because I have a very hard time picking a favorite. I can maybe give you like a top 10, top five, but I was like, I guess I just made a choice at one point in time that if whenever I have to answer that question, I say that because it's definitely one of my favorites for sure. So might as well say it's the favorite. Awesome. Did you watch the most recent? Did I did. We actually, we actually watched it on a watch and chat, which we have for folks who don't know, we have a channel on the Slack community we belong to where we watch. We started it right at the beginning of the pandemic, actually, where we watch movies together and kind of type out our responses as we go, kind of like a Netflix party, except it's not integrated like that. So we did that. I guess it was last week, week before. I don't remember exactly when it came out. I don't know. It was for me, because I've seen all of the movies. For me, it's like squarely in the middle. There were things I liked about it. There were definitely things I either didn't like or I didn't think really made sense. But are there worse movies in the franchise? In my opinion, oh, yes. So, 
it's got that going for it, I guess. <laughs> that is a very fair assessment. I have a friend who texted me while she was watching it. And she was like, I wish I had a chainsaw so I could end my life right now and not to watch the rest. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, I get it, I get it. <laughs> I feel that way about some of them. I don't know that I would watch this one again, but like it wasn't, wasn't that bad for me. So <laughs> yeah, there were some cool kills in it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I thought, oh gosh, what did I like about it? I thought that the cinematography uh, and the, the, the imaging was great, way better than any Texas Chainsaw movie I think has the right to be. Um, I, I liked that they did the like direct sequel thing. It was like, okay, that's interesting. Let's see where it goes. A lot of really good gore and kills, like you said, you know, like Leatherface is nothing if not incredibly brutal. And so like, I think it was one of the first kills where it's like, you know, is he gonna break your bones and then stab you to death with the, the shards of your own bones? Yes, yes, he will. So that works for me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like how they handled it, but I did like that they brought, you know, Sally from the original back. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good idea. I don't think that they <laughs> did it yeah. quite right, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those were those were the things I thought were were good about it. And the things that I thought were not good about it, we could talk at length about. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll skip those. Okay. (laughs) So how did you first fall in love with the horror genre? So I actually was a very, very anxious child. I you know, grew up in a pretty dysfunctional family. And my kind of way of coping with that was just high anxiety. And that also included a lot of trouble sleeping. And so I also had a very vivid imagination, I think, because I'm an only child. So when I was a kid and like a tween, I stayed away from horror. Like it was, it was too much for me. Like I would catch glimpses of things on TV, or, you know, read something because I was a pretty early reader that was maybe a little mature for my age or whatever. And it would just get stuck in my head and I would just replay it and replay it. And then of course I couldn't sleep and nightmares. So for most of my childhood and tween years, I just stayed away from horror. I was like, I can't, I can't handle that. But when that changed was, and I spoke about this on the, the Dads from the Crypt podcast, because they had me on to talk about Demon Knight, which was the first Tales from the Crypt movie that I love because I didn't realize till I was on that podcast that it actually came out on my 14th birthday. Uh, Friday the 13th of 19, whatever it was. And so I I had a friend at that time who was like, let's go see this movie. And I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) I'm not seeing a horror movie, but he goaded me into seeing it eventually. And I had a different experience. Like I was definitely scared, like, you know, way more scared than I would be by horror movies at this point. I think we all build a tolerance to like what scares us, you know, but like, I, it didn't stick with me. Right. Like I didn't, I wasn't like ruminating on it. It didn't give me nightmares. And I actually kind of enjoyed it, like in spite of the like scary parts, you know? So that's when I started to just kind of slowly be like, okay, well, if I could handle that movie, maybe I'll read a Christopher Pike book, right? Or an R.L. Stein book. And then like, okay, I did that, you know? So maybe I can watch this or maybe. And so I just kind of slowly, probably over the course of like a year or so, you know, probably by the end of it, I was reading Stephen King or whatever, you know, but I was like, okay, I can, I can handle this. So 
and I could, you know, ever since. So I guess it's been I'm 41. So however many years that is between 14 and 41, that's, that's how I got into it. Is that why you became a psychologist? Cause you grew up as an anxious child? In part. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And I, I, that's not to say that I'm not an anxious adult now. I just actually have like coping skills and I know how to yeah. talk about it yeah. and the, the stuff I did not have as a child, the things that are actually very helpful, but yes. And I would say, I mean, I'm sure this doesn't apply to everybody who becomes a psychologist or a therapist, but I think that based on my experience, knowing a lot of other therapists, that a lot of us get into this line of work because we have our own issues, oftentimes stemming from childhood, but not all the time. So yeah, ultimately, I mean, I did get into this line of work because I found it interesting both professionally, but applying it to myself as well. Therapy, you know, which I started in college was, you know, a huge turning point in my life. So yes, that is, <laughs> and, and I think we're all anxious adults, especially after the last two years and what's going on right now. But I, I'd like to think I handle it better now. Maybe I handle it by watching horror movies now instead of <laughs> running away from horror movies. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I hope that our generation is maybe, I feel like we might have issues because our parents had issues and they, mm-hmm. that they never dealt yep. with. Mm-hmm. So maybe like, I don't have any friends that are not in therapy and I think that's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we are stopping the cycle as they say. That, that is my sincerest hope. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So from your professional standpoint, your professional opinion, why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre? Well, I think that, I mean, there's a lot of stigma around that because, you know, people think of horror fans as people who are not perfectly sane, which it's like, well, why wouldn't they be like, you know, so it's no different in my mind than any other genre, you know, like people who like sci-fi or, you know, dramas or whatever. But I think, I think number one, it's because no group is a monolith and, you know, there's going to be well-adjusted and poorly adjusted people in any (laughs) given group of people or fandom or whatever. But I personally think that, that, that horror fans can actually be potentially more well-adjusted because we're actually willing to look at the darker parts of life which I think for a lot of people who don't, that actually causes more problems, right? Like you think that not focusing on the darker parts of life might be the way to go, but it's actually just kind of like ignoring and repressing them instead of like acknowledging and maybe exploring them a little bit because whether we like it or not, there's plenty of pain and darkness and scary stuff in life. And I think that when people are able to face that, even in the form of art or fiction or whatever it is, that they might actually come out a little more well-balanced or, or well-adjusted, you know? Obviously, are there people who take it too far in terms of like, you know, I don't know, idolizing serial killers or things like that? Absolutely, but you'll find, again, people in any group of people that take things too far in an unhealthy place, you know? Yeah, I love that, that you said that so perfectly. What's, well, your, favorite, yeah. <laughs> what, what's your favorite subgenre in horror? Oh, that's a great question. My favorite subgenre, I guess I'd have to pick a few. I really like space horror, which in my opinion, there are not enough horror movies in space (laughs) or the ones that there are just not that great. (laughs) Actually, I saw a thing and I I texted it to Jody last night, which he responded to. And I can 
I can show you, but I'll explain it because we're this is a podcast and it's a visual medium. <laughs> you know, real queen of horror. Yes. Um, yes. So she posted on her Instagram last night this supposedly a poster for Amityville in space. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, that can't be real. But then I remembered there's a movie called The Amityville Vibrator. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. might be real. Yeah. And I just said to Jody, is this for fucking real? <laughs> and he said, whoa, I'm not sure if I'm amazed or terrified. And I said, same. Yeah. The, exactly. Good point. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so this is an example, if this is real, of uh, maybe not great space horror. I don't think I need to see it to make that determination. <laughs> but, you know, there are things, Event Horizon is the one that, you know, everybody always points to. But like, I just watched a show, a Korean show on Netflix, like a month ago called The Silent Sea. That was kind of like a space horror. It was like a mixture of sci-fi and space horror kind of evenly. But like, for some reason, I just to me, space is kind of terrifying. Yeah. Like it's, 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 there's no oxygen. Mm-hmm. You, you freeze to death in mm-hmm. a few seconds. Like what's not scary about that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just not a place where we're really supposed to be or built to be. So I really like space horror. I do like body horror, you know, body horror is good. I'm a big Cronenberg fan of both of them now, I suppose. And then I definitely liked I, I don't even know if this is still a thing, but the a while ago, maybe 10-ish years ago, there was the, the new French extremity, you know, martyrs, frontiers, inside, all of that stuff. I liked a lot of those and I continue to, but I guess that's, those are the big ones for yeah. subgenres. Yeah. Nice. Martyrs is on my list of movies that I want to watch because I've heard mm-hmm. it's a good movie. It is. It's one of those that I want to watch like once. And yeah. Then- never again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might watch it again one day. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because somebody actually just brought this up on Slack yesterday. They were like, should I finally bite the bullet and watch Martyr? <laughs> I think I may have seen that. Yeah. 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 And it is, it's, it's one of those movies where in my opinion, it's an amazing movie. And I don't know that I would recommend it to that many people. Like I'm sure you would, you know, find it interesting at the very least, even if you didn't like it. But it's, it's very brutal, pretty depressing, but it's just so well done that it's kind of, it kind of pulls at you both ways where it's like that, that gif of Larry David, where he's like raising one hand and you're like, it's like, well, on the one hand, it's like really what's on the other hand, it's like really, you know, like, like I said, I'll probably watch it once again in the course of my life, but I don't think I need to see it more times than that. Yeah, definitely. I want to, I want to watch that and funny games and climax. Mm. I still haven't seen Climax. I need to watch that one. Yeah. I need to watch that one. Funny Games is, mm, I'm kind of mixed on that one. Okay. But I think it's worth a watch. I think it's mm-hmm. worth a watch. Yeah, at least once. Mm-hmm. And speaking of body hard, did you happen to catch Fresh in the last 24 hours since it dropped? I have Hulu? not. I have not. But I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff about <laughs> it over the last 24 hours. So. Yeah. I'm thinking, should I, should I check that out? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's real fucked up. Okay. Um, That's what I keep hearing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just more things just kept happening. And I was like, what? I just kept texting like the the chat that I have. I was like, oh my God, this is so fucked up. This is so fucked up. Maybe I'm overselling it, but yeah. I'll I'll probably, I'll probably watch it soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's two hours, but it kind of flies by. Oh, okay. Let's go. So who are your favorite hard directors? 
Oof. Like I already said, David Cronenberg uh, and now his son is really hitting it out of the park as well. But I just think for me, David Cronenberg just has like, I don't love every single one of his movies, but there's just like so many of them that it's like, how, you know, it's like, oh my God, Scanners, The Brood, you know, all the way to like Existence and, and what was that one? with Vigo, he made a couple with Vigo Mortensen, A History of Violence, which is kind of a horror-ish movie, but like, he's just made so many good movies that it's like, his hit rate is pretty unbelievable. So Cronenberg for sure. Oh boy, this Takashi Miyake, the, the Japanese director who's made a million movies. Which, which like, ones? Yeah, he made Ichi the Killer, Dead or Alive, Happiness of the Katakuris, which is one of my favorites. It's way up there. It's a horror musical, which it's like, mm. how could that be any good? It totally is. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a little long, but other than that, it's it's good. He did Audition, which is probably the oh, one. Oh, yes. I haven't, I haven't seen it, but I sort Ooh, of want yeah, to. That's a, <laughs> that's a tough one. That's, yeah. that's definitely a tough one. Very effective, but but pretty pretty brutal so a lot of his stuff is really pretty amazing I'm trying to think of like a woman or by POC Jordan Peele oh my goodness right I mean right out the gate and I I was aware of his work like the you know the Key and Peele show and all of this other stuff but I was never I was never like a huge fan or anything and then it's just like right out the gate with Get Out and then Us it was just like holy shit this guy is unbelievable (laughs) like I can't wait for Nope to come out the trailer looked pretty amazing and weird I'd like to I'd like to think of a lady but can you help me think of any uh the one that always comes the two that come to mind are Karen Kusama and Jennifer Mm. Kent yes Karen Kusama yes the invitation yeah especially for me as somebody that specializes in (laughs) (laughs) that and then I actually finally watched Jennifer's body for the first time I'd say six months ago and I was not I was not disappointed like I thought maybe it would be a little overhyped at that point for me but I was like no this is freaking amazing I haven't seen that one she did with Nicole Kidman yet which was was that her I think it was hang on one second I thought wasn't it called like Destroyer or something yeah Destroyer I haven't seen that one yet but I plan to Uh, and I just can't wait for whatever's coming next from her. She's she's pretty great. Yeah. So my question, whenever the invitation comes up is when would you have left the dinner party? (laughs) When would I, well, me being the real me or me just being a character in the movie? You being you. Me being me. Oof. I'm just trying to replay through it real quick. Probably, probably when they showed the video. Oh, actually, wait, no, no, no. Because the, the everybody at the party is aware that these two had been away in Mexico at this weird thing. Yeah. I might not have even gone for that reason, actually. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm thinking about that, because I probably would have been like, okay, they've been involved in this thing. Sounds kind of culty. There's this dinner party. It's probably going to be for recruiting. So I'm going to pass. Yeah. So probably that I probably wouldn't have gone. If I had gone though the video, I would have been like, peace, bye. <laughs> this is definitely a cult. I'm out. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Me, myself as well. 
So yeah. Is that your answer is that I wouldn't have even gone. <laughs> yeah. I would have been like, if that was my boyfriend, I would have been like, you go, you have fun. Have fun, sweetie. <laughs> Call me, text me 911 yeah. if you need out. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. 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 So since you do a lot of work with cults, do you have a favorite cult horror movie or mm-hmm. horror movie about cults? I should say. Sure. I mean, the invitation is great. One bedroom, one BR. I uh, haven't is- watched that yet. Yeah. It's definitely not as good as The Invitation. I thought it was pretty decent though. And it's a very interesting movie. And I won't really spoil it, but it kind of approaches cults from an angle that I haven't seen before, which is like, what if you were somebody who was like forced to join a cult as opposed to somebody who like got involved and then started seeing weird things and wanted to get out. So it was interesting from that point of view, for sure. Other good horror movies about cults trying to think i mean there's been a lot what was that one (sighs) it was that movie it's from the 80s children of the corn not not too shabby interesting one what if what if a cult was run entirely by children yeah would probably be as fucked up as it is in the children of the corn hang on was scott bacula in this movie that i'm thinking of (laughs) lord of illusions oh okay Lord of Illusions. Yes. Lord of Illusions. It's it's a silly supernatural horror movie, but it's actually pretty decent. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. There's also The Endless and mm. the, Lo- the Lodge and Mandy. I have not seen Mandy yet. It's been on oh, my list yeah, for Mandy. forever. I would say Mandy. Sorry. I had I didn't think of Mandy because it's like a cult of like four people. <laughs> so it's not like a huge cult or anything, yeah. but Mandy's awesome. And actually, thank you for reminding me because the movie that, what is his name? Was named Panos Constamos, the director of Mandy, writer, director of Mandy. Hang on one second. It's this complicated. Panos Costa. Cos- Cosmatos. <laughs> Him. His first movie, Beyond the Black Rainbow, is also about a cult. Hmm a bigger cult than one in Mandy. And it's actually, it's an amazing movie. I can't recommend it to enough people. It's, it's similar to Mandy in that it is incredibly stylized. So if you're not interested in that, maybe don't watch it. And it's also extremely slow, but I think it's really great. Awesome. I'll have to add it to my list. In the lodge, did you, I'm assuming you disapprove of him dating his patient? Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. That's a bad idea. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah, no. And I actually wrote a piece about the lodge for Bloody Good Horror, not about the cult aspect, but about gaslighting and its use in that movie. And it's funny, I just sent, for people who don't know, you know, on social media, there are, you know, niche meme accounts for just about everything. And what a lot of people who aren't therapists probably don't know is that there are a lot of therapy and therapist meme accounts. So I sent one to my friend yesterday. It's just a tweet from one of those. Good morning to everyone except screenwriters who decide the therapist should have sex with the client. (laughs) And my friend responded with with a love thing. So that's just, oh God. I mean, does that happen? Yes. Should everybody who that happens to be lose their license and be punished to the full extent of law? Yes. Is it a rare occurrence? Yes. Much more rare than you would ever think from watching any sort of popular media about therapists or psychiatrists who sleep with their patients. Yeah. Not thrilled with that. Mm, Yeah. 
So an article came out in 2020 that said that horror movie fans were handling lockdown better than non-horror movie fans. Why do you think that was the case? Well, I mean, a, a practical thing is like, everybody was probably like, oh, I'll just watch horror movies all day with my horror friends online, <laughs> which is what, what a lot of us did. I think probably also because, again, when you're a horror fan, you're used to looking at the harder part of life, the darker part of life. And when shit hits the fan, it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to deal with this as opposed to like people who want everything to be, you know, sunshine and roses all the time. I'm sure that was very difficult for those people and continues to be. But I think, you know, we're kind of just more like, yeah, shit goes sideways sometimes. We gotta, gotta, gotta deal with it somehow. Yeah, definitely. I once had a guest here on here that said, they thought it was because horror fans didn't have to have a delayed reaction. They didn't have to think about how they were going to react to it now because we had seen zombie oh, movies like and that. everything yeah. already. So we'd already had that reaction. So now we were just like, yes, yeah. what are the rules? What do we have to do? What do we have to follow? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now you're in Manhattan, right? Yes. Yeah. So I- I've heard from people who've been in Manhattan throughout this situation. What was, what has that been like? I know this is not your interview. I'm, you're interviewing me. <laughs> just out of curiosity, what has it been like for you being there through all this? At first it was a little eerie. You would go outside to like get air or whatever. And there would be way fewer people on the street than usual. And I live very close to Columbia University. So mm-hmm. that entire population was sent home. So yeah. it was very quiet. Oh. It was nice because we did the clap at 7 p.m. every night for the healthcare oh, workers. So yeah, that was yeah. that was great. And then I have friends who live in my building. So we would see oh, each other on the roof. And yeah, I was, I, I kind of, I didn't mind lockdown. I didn't mm-hmm. mind having to stay home. So, mm-hmm. cause I had my horror movies, had my internet <laughs> friends mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, just my, my grocery store is like 500 feet away on my corner and it was open 24 oh, nice. seven the entire yeah. time. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was strange, but it wasn't, it wasn't the worst. So Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm an introvert. So like being at home all the time or not being around other people. I mean, you know, obviously I have my husband and our animals, but like, it's like, it's not the end of the world for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to talk to you about psychology and how it's portrayed and used in horror films. Are there Mm -hmm. any movies that you think do a particularly good, good job at representing your profession and helping people in general in in psychology? Oh gosh. Okay. Yes. There are definitely movies that like, get it right. There's unfortunately still more that get it wrong, but I think we're moving in a better direction. Oh boy. Let me think. I'm trying to think about the movies that I've written about for BGH because I tend to pick ones that are good. And I actually don't know that I have written about many movies that specifically involve like therapy or a therapist uh, other than the lodge, I guess, which it's honestly not that big a part of that movie. But when I think of movies that kind of get it right, as it were, a a movie I think of is They Look Like People, which was like a, a small independent horror movie from several years ago now. I don't think about how many, but it's a great movie, which I did write about that, that tackles, you know, the question of the protagonist of, does this man 
is this man getting information about like, like an invasion of demons or aliens that are coming to earth or does he have schizophrenia? And that's kind of the tension point of the whole movie and they resolve it and I won't spoil it, but they resolve it in a way that I think is like healthy and like an adaptive way to approach the situation. So I, I think about movies like that. And then I also think about movies where maybe the psychology or mental health angle isn't so right out front. It's kind of more, I don't know, metaphorical or, you know, kind of underneath. I mentioned Us, the Jordan Peele movie before, you know, I think that's a really interesting way of like dealing with the topic of like us all having to deal with our shadows, like these Mm. parts of ourselves that have literally been in the dark, having to come out and face them. There's a horror movie from last year that not enough people saw called Come True, did you see it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, yeah. I, I really liked it. Again, it's one of those very stylized movies. Yeah. So I get if it's not <laughs> for everybody. But you remember then the movie is set up into three chapters, which are the self. Oh, my God, I'm going to forget it now. But they're the three parts of the self, the persona and the shadow. I think that was it that are the basis of Jungian psychology. And I wrote a piece on it for the, the site as well which was, again, an interesting representation. But, and then a movie that maybe does get it right, but kind of shows like the not so nice parts of medical, mental health treatment, Unsane, that movie Mm, that Steven Soderbergh did on the the iPhone. I wrote about that because I think it is a good representation. I mean, obviously it's based on stuff that really happened, not this woman being stalked, which when they get stalked all the time, but that was a made up story about that. But the fact that there were these, there was a huge Buzzfeed uh, series of articles on it. There were a company that ran a bunch of inpatient psychiatric facilities that were really abusing the system in such a way that they were, you know, hospitalizing people that did not need to be hospitalized, that were not a danger to themselves or others, but to get the insurance money, because more patients means more money, right? And so that movie was a good representation of somebody kind of being hoodwinked into, you know, signing themselves into this place that they then can't get out of. And, you know, I, I tell this to my clients all the time. Luckily, I don't, I don't have as many clients these days that struggle with, with like suicidal urges or anything like that. But when you do get hospitalized uh, here in California, it's called a 5150 in California it's, or in uh, Florida, it's called the Baker Act. I'm not sure what it is. I'm sure there's the equivalent in New York, but where you get hospitalized because you're a danger to yourself or other people, I let people know realistically, you're not really going to get help when that happens. That is a safety measure. It is to put you somewhere where the odds that you're going to be able to hurt yourself have been greatly reduced. Mm -hmm. If you are expecting any sort of therapy, no, not that generally doesn't happen. Or if it does, it's not super effective. That doesn't happen unless you get transferred to like another sort of longer term program. Yeah. I like people to have realistic expectations about it. It's like, this is mostly to keep you safe not to, for you to like have some sort of psychological breakthrough that like cures all your problems, yeah. you know, and for better or for worse, Unsane depicted that pretty well. That is terrifying that that actually <laughs> happened to mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I'm glad I see my therapist over FaceTime so that he can't be like, oh, come this way with me. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I always, you know, clearly the hospital in that movie and the hospitals that were doing this were being very unscrupulous about it because when you're having somebody sign themselves in, because, because you can be 51 50 voluntarily, right? Like if you're like, I'm about to kill myself. I don't want to do that. Please keep me in the hospital. You can do that. But it's also involuntary, right? Like if somebody meets a certain threshold, it doesn't matter if they don't want to go, they're going right. But the thing that these hospitals were doing much like in the movie, were kind of being like, oh, we just, we just need to put you in an observation room for like an hour. Can you just sign this consent form for that? When in reality, the consent form is for like 72 hours of hospitalization, right? Which is completely unethical, illegal, all the bad things, right? You know, I always let my clients know, and this has always been the case that if this does happen with them, you know, I will work with them as much as I can to try to help them see that, that, checking themselves in somewhere voluntarily is a good idea. And that has worked 80% of the time, I'd say. And then over the course of my career, and then in the 20% of the time where somebody is like, I'm not going, but I'm going to do something. I will, I always tell them I am about to call the police or I am about to call what we have here called the pet team, psychiatric emergency team. They're going to come to your house, right? Because people have horror stories about, you know, having a conversation with their therapist. And then like an hour later, like the police knocking on their door and then being like, what the fuck is happening? You know? And that's just not how I operate. I don't believe in that approach. And I I say, even if I know that by telling you I'm calling the police, you're going to say, fuck you. You're the worst therapist ever. I never want to see you again. Fine. That's fine. (laughs) Right. Like I'm still going to let you know what's about to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's good that, you know, there are good therapists left out there because there are, (laughs) there are some bad ones out there and I've I've seen them. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not going to pretend like they're not definitely not. But I, I, I'm sure that there are still clients that have seen me that are not thrilled with me, but I like to think that most, most people I've helped in some way, shape or form. (laughs) But speaking about movies that deal with mental health, have you seen the movie Fear of Rain? Yes, I have actually. Do you think think that that's a good representation of schizophrenia? Yeah, I think you told me about that. Oh, okay. Probably. I kind of tell a lot of people about that because I think it's an interesting movie. And yes, I actually do think that it is a decent, thank you for reminding me of that. (laughs) That was like, whenever you joined Slack, I feel like it was toward the beginning of the pandemic, was it? No, it was like middle of last year, maybe. Oh gosh. Okay. See the last two years, time just, yeah, time is flat circle. It means nothing. Time Um, doesn't exist. No, (laughs) not anymore. (laughs) I did watch it and I actually thought it was pretty, a pretty decent representation because I, probably part of the reason I like they look like people is that I, I have worked and continue to work with some people who have schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. which um, some people in private practice just will not do that. And so I I think at this point I have a pretty deep, I mean, it's schizophrenia can look pretty different in different people, but I I think I have a a good idea of, of what it looks like generally speaking. And yes, I thought that was a good one. And, you know, I won't, again, I won't say what it is, but there's kind of a twist in the movie, which I I thought was pretty realistic in terms of, you know, I definitely have client or have or have had clients that 
when people in their life either disappear or pass away, they then pop up as like an auditory hallucination or like they can see them or whatever it is. So I, I thought that was interesting. And I also liked, I also liked that it, it played with the idea, which this happens a lot and I really hate it, <laughs> which is that people automatically not believing somebody because they know they have schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, yes, this person has schizophrenia. Yes, they believe or think or see some really strange things, but that doesn't mean they're lying about everything or that everything is made up. Like we shouldn't just automatically not believe them about everything. Like let's look into it and see if it's true or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad it does a good job at representing Mm -hmm. schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. So on the flip side, are there any horror movies that do a really bad job of representing psychologists and mental health and everything well I mean in terms of like therapy what was I just watching a movie the other day any movie I'm just gonna go ahead and say this any movie that takes place in like a an inpatient treatment facility is just generally very not favorable (laughs) (laughs) I was just watching one the other day and what was it oh no last night on slack we were watching curtains have you ever watched uh, Curtains? I have not seen Curtains. So it's from ni- early 1980s. It's it's a slasher. It's a weird one. Here, this is the mask. I took a picture. This is how we ended up watching this movie. There was an Instagram post about it. That's, huh. the, that's <laughs> the mask. It's, pretty, it's a pretty great mask. But there's a, the beginning of it takes place in like an insane asylum, which is not what they're called anymore, but yeah. whatever. And, you know, it's just never, it's just never flattering. And, and trust me, there are places like this that are not good. Like there are places, but I'd like to think more places are better now, but it's just, you know, a bunch of people running around in like hospital gowns, like laughing and shouting and like (laughs) crawling up the walls or whatever. And it's just like, this is not, this is not generally how this goes. The thing, honestly, the problem that I have, because as we were talking about earlier, therapists or psychiatrists are not often portrayed very well in these sorts of things they're either you know sleeping with their patient or doing something evil (laughs) or whatever it is you know but I would say that that the bigger problem I have is not with the depiction of my line of work but is the depiction of mental illness in horror movies I mean movies in general but horror movies especially because, and, and I think we're getting better. I think as every year goes on, this gets better and better. But there are so many horror movies when the killer is some traumatized or mentally ill person who has started killing everybody because they are traumatized or mentally ill, which is just, you know, most people who have been traumatized or have a mental illness are not dangerous to other people. And that is not the impression that you would get from watching a lot of horror movies, especially older horror movies. And, you know, just really gross misrepresentations of things like schizophrenia, things like dissociative identity disorder, which used to be known as multiple personality disorder, you know, stuff where you're just as a therapist or a psychologist, you're watching it and you're just like, not only is this insulting because this person is the killer and it's they're the killer because they have this problem, but on the other hand, it's also just like, this is not accurate, you know? Like thinking schizophrenia is about having multiple personalities, which it absolutely is not. That is dissociative identity disorder, <laughs> you know? Just like, all, just scores of things. And, you know, again, 
even when we're talking about really severe mental illnesses like schizophrenia or dissociative identity disorder, the vast majority of people with these problems are not dangerous, you know, and you would not think that watching horror movies. Hmm. Thank you for that insight. So how do you decide what horror movie to watch when you're looking for something to watch and you're just relaxing? Oof. I would say, so I have, I was late. Are you on Letterboxd? Yeah. I was late to Letterboxd. I only got yeah, on Letterboxd. At <laughs> <laughs> some point during the pandemic, I was finally bored enough to be like, I guess I'll get on Letterboxd. So I have a to watch list on Letterboxd that I will peruse through seeing whatever fits my mood. I mean, the last, last two years have been heavy. I mean, like not just the pandemic and political things and now the Ukraine, Russia stuff, but in my personal life, I've had some really heavy stuff go on as well. And so generally what I find myself gravitating toward more are kind of what I would call like light, fluffy, inconsequential, like, you know, 80 slashers or, you know, just something that's kind of not real serious, maybe not even really good, (laughs) you know, but so I tend to go for something that will maybe help balance out where I'm at. Like if I'm already kind of down, like I don't want to watch murders, like I don't want to watch something or something that I haven't watched yet, but sounds like murders. No last house on the left rewatch. No last house on the left rewatch for sure. (laughs) Nothing like that. I will occasionally watch something that I suspect, you know, not only will be better, but maybe might hit a nerve with me because it's, you know, related to something. But to me, that's, that's, I have to be in the right place to want to do that. And number two, in a way, even if it does make me emotional or even make me cry, like I won't go into why, but I rewatched Final Girls like a couple, like maybe a year ago. And I, it just made me Mm. super, super cry (laughs) (laughs) because it just touched a nerve with some stuff that was going on. But I, it's also good because like, I feel that connection, like I'm not the only person who has gone through something like this. It's kind of, you know, as a, as a mental health professional, like I think that art can be healing and that, you know, as much as it sucks for like two points of pain to come together, at least you can feel like you're not alone. Other people might understand you you're not the only person who's ever felt this kind of pain. And so even though it sucks to feel that way in the moment, for me, it also, there's a nice side to it where it's like, you know, I have some sense of connection here of of what I'm going through. Yeah, definitely. Are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again? Ooh, that's a good question. I won't watch anything that has actual violence against animals or people in it Mm -hmm. I have I finally again it was a quarantine thing I think it was on Joe Bob I finally ended up watching Cannibal Holocaust but it had all the animal stuff there's an edit with all of the animal stuff taken out that's what I watched because there's no way I don't care how old it is I don't care (laughs) like I'm an animal person you know I'm one of those people that you know maybe you feel the same way it's like people can get slaughtered and like yeah. chopped up into itty bitty pieces in a movie, but like, don't touch the dog. Like, yes. please. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. 
so anything like, I don't know, other movies like that, like Cannibal Ferox, or I'm just, unless it has that cut out, I'm just not, I'm just not interested. And then there's like a, a, a movie, oh, it's like Japanese or Chinese, The Men Behind the Sun. Like it's got some actual test footage of like prisoners of war in it, like being tortured. And I'm just like, nope, I'm good. I, yeah. I don't ever need to see that. That's fine. In terms of things I won't watch again, the only thing that I will say about not watching movies again is I had to make a deal with myself, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, that I wasn't going to watch any more new stuff that was shot on video. Because I was just like, none of this is any good. Like, I keep, I don't know if you can relate to this as a horror fan, but like, there's like this feeling of always looking for like the diamond in the rough. Like, oh, there's this movie that no one's heard of before. I'd never heard of it. And I watched it and it was amazing. And now I get to share it. Like, have you ever seen, oh my God, why I'm seeing the poster in my head and the words are just, sorry. Can What's it about? <laughs> it is from the 1980s. It's, it's about this little town where, I don't want to spoil the whole thing. Give me, give me just one second. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not Dead Alive, although Dead Alive is excellent. It's, it's much higher brow than that. Oh, Jody loves it too. God damn it. <laughs> and I have probably not seen it being that Jody loves it and it's from the eighties. I probably have not seen it, but it's, it's actually probably not the sort of thing that he would typically love from the eighties. So give okay. me, there's an actress in it who I actually have a funny story about. Oh, God damn it. Please, 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 please. Dead and buried. Dead and buried. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I knew dead was the first word. I just couldn't think of it. So dead and buried is amazing. It is not a cheesy 80s slasher like Jodie would love. <laughs> okay. But finding a movie like that, right. Where you're like, Ooh, like I found this little diamond in the rough. And this was back in the day when you would still get like DVDs from Netflix and stuff. I just kept thinking, Oh, this this box cover looks great or this, this description sounds good. And then just watching something that's like, this is just, this isn't even fun, bad. This is just bad, bad. You know what I mean? So after a while I was like, I cannot watch any more horror movies from like 1990 forward that were shot on video because it's just like, I've literally never liked any of them. So I was just like, I can't do this. Yeah, I get it. I <laughs> yeah. get it. One of those movies that I feel like was a diamond in the rough. I think it was from one of Jody's scarathons one year, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, it was the movie Triangle. Yes, that's another one. Yeah. That's a really good one. Absolutely. So back when we were all packing into movie theaters, did you ever have any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters? Yes. Um, I'm trying to think. Demon Night was definitely one. I'm trying to think of any... I'd say Demon Knight is the one that stands out the most because <laughs> unfortunately Demon Knight, it's having a wee bit of a renaissance right now. It's on Shutter right now, actually. But at the time it did not do great. Like it was just kind of like, <laughs> nobody would see it. It was not. So when I went to go see it with my friend, we went, and this is very unusual in Los Angeles. We went and saw it at the at Universal Studios here in LA. There's a thing next to it called City Walk which is not part of the theme park. It's like a, it's like, it's like downtown Disney. It's like, you know, like a shopping area with a movie yeah. theater or whatever. So we went to go see it there. It was me, 
two of my friends. And then the only other people in the theater was this family of maybe like four or five people. I actually, I don't know if they were family. They all knew each other really well. And it was fun because they were extremely animated the whole movie and not like in an annoying way. Because yeah. <laughs> Demon Knight's a pretty fun horror movie. They were just the kind of people who were like, don't go in there, don't go in there. <laughs> And it was just, instead of being like, would you people please shut up? It was actually kind of fun, you know? So that was definitely a nice experience. Yeah. That's awesome. What has your favorite horror movie been that you've seen so far in 2022? Speaking of getting on Letterboxd, I started this last year. I'm keeping a ranking of all the movies I watch Mm -hmm. for each year, you know, so I can kind of keep track of it instead of at the end of the year kind of going, (laughs) what did I like what did I not like so the two so so far I haven't watched that many horror movies yet that are released this year this year but the ones that I have seen I liked one is actually not out yet I think we myself and Caitlin Grant who's on BGH and has her own podcast plug it up She had me on Plug It Up a couple weeks ago to talk about this movie. It's called A Banquet. And it is, I'm just looking right now. Oh, I guess technically it is out. I'm sure it's not getting like a huge release. You can probably find it on streaming. That is a good one. I would say if you're going to like it, you need to like, well, first of all, I very much like that it is directed by a woman who Caitlin got to interview, which I'm Mm -hmm. jealous and starring women, mostly about women. It's great in that respect. I really like that. But it, it's very much like, it's not an A24 horror movie, but it is very much an A24 horror okay. <laughs> And I, I don't mean that like in a good or bad way. I just mean it's that kind of quote unquote elevated horror mm-hmm. where it's kind of artsy, things are a bit ambiguous, you know? So if that's your jam, you will like this movie. If not, okay. maybe not so much. I, one thing that I really liked that we watched on Slack on Sunday was Hellbender. Yeah, which is on right now. Yeah, really, I, I liked it. It shows, and and I think Joe Ferry also did like an interview with the people that made it for the site. I haven't looked at that yet. I should. Is it, it's a first, it's a first feature. So is it like, the most amazing movie ever no but it had I think it's way better way more original and inventive than anybody's first horror movie has any right to be <laughs> and I think it shows I'm really curious about what these folks are going to do next based on that and then the one thing that I actually I don't know if you've seen it but the 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 ginormous folk horror documentary that came out I have not watched it it's on my list though <laughs> Yeah, I finally watched it. Probably took me like three or four sittings because it is very long. And it was interesting because, and I I don't know why, I think it suffered from a little bit of overhype for me because like everybody was like losing their minds about it at the end of last year before it like came out wide, the people who got to see it. And so the first half of it, I was kind of like, this is okay. Like, this is fine and then for some reason the second half of it just clicked for me a whole lot more and I found it way more interesting I'm not sure why (laughs) but I definitely think it's worth a watch for any horror fan and I I certainly learned way more about 
the folk horror genre, yeah. subgenre that I ever thought I would know. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I will definitely yeah. check that out because I like folk horror a lot. And you'll probably like it. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of directorial debuts, Mimi Cave, who directed Fresh that we were talking about before, mm-hmm. it was her first time directing a oh, really? uh, feature length. So. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I will have to check that out too. Yeah. Awesome. I, I sent her a message today and I'm like, do you want, can I interview you? So fingers crossed she responds. But fingers crossed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what horror movie are you most looking forward to seeing in the rest of 2022? Nope. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Nope. Big time. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to watch any more trailers. I don't yeah. want to watch any more anything. Like I'm good where I am. I, I'd prefer to go in. I like the trailer because uh, the full length trailer, because it showed stuff without really explaining what, yeah. what the movie's about, which I prefer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very much looking forward to Nope. What else is coming out this year? Black Phone. Oh, I'm curious about Black Phone. That's a great example of the opposite trailer. Don't watch the Black Phone trailer if you haven't already. Uh, (laughs) Because I'm pretty sure the whole damn movie is in that trailer, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, But I'll still watch the movie. I like Ethan Hawke. Yeah, I would say Nope is probably numero uno for me, for sure. Definitely. How about you? I think it's probably the Black Phone Mm -hmm. or Nope. Um, I'm not sure... I'm not sure about, nope, I'm sure it's going to be great, but just since it's, I, it looks like it's a little bit more about aliens, I don't, Possibly. I just don't know um, if it will be my jam, but hopefully we just don't know a lot yet. So as, yeah, yeah I start, I saw Studio 666 this past week. It was bonkers. It's like, <laughs> it's a crazy movie and it's so funny. Like but, good bonkers? Yeah. 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 Um, oh, ho- Halloween ends is coming. Yes. I, you know, I did not like Halloween kills, but I will go into this one, which with very (laughs) low expectations. So hopefully it will surprise me. Yeah. And then nobody will be surprised to hear that I'm not looking forward to X because I am not a huge Ty West fan. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, That's coming out too. I know a lot of people just love Ty West and I'm just not among them. You know, I'll see, I'm going to see Halloween ends. Like there's no question about that. I, I really liked the the 2018 Halloween kills <laughs> really kind of yeah. not not as great as it could have been I thought mm-hmm. but I'll see it out I'll see the yeah. trilogy out sure yeah complete us you got to complete the trilogy yeah so. and can I just say that last night I was watching the new season of Reno 911 and Jamie Lee Curtis guest stars in the oh. second episode and she is just so much fun. <laughs> I love her 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 she's a great comedian and I also appreciate anybody because I specialize in addiction addiction is uh, recovery is a part of my personal life as well as my professional life and I just love celebrities like her that are just out about like being an addict in recovery being sober for a long time yeah you know I really appreciate people with platforms being upfront about that stuff yeah definitely yeah. definitely are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like? Or do you have any unpopular horror movie opinions? <laughs> the Ty West one is not <laughs> super <popular. laughs> I legit watched House of the Devil twice because I was convinced I must be missing something. <laughs> <laughs> and after the second viewing, I was like, no, I, I no, I just don't, I yeah. don't see it. I don't get it. I don't, right. I don't love this. And I love... 
and it and it sucks too because the couple that the, the plays the older couple Tom Noonan and Mary Warrenov, I love them. Like Mary Warrenov has this crazy. She was like one in Andy Warhol's studio. She was like, she's had this crazy history in film. And then Tom Noonan is this playwright that has been around forever. I love the both of them. And I'll watch anything they're in clearly, but. Even with that, I was just like, no, I don't, I don't love this. I don't, and I don't love the sacrament. I don't love any of his movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fair. I haven't seen the sacrament or yeah. house of the devil. So, mm-hmm. but I, I felt that way about the movie, the ritual. Cause people really love the movie, the ritual. And sure. I watched it twice and I was like, I just think they're stupid. They get what <laughs> they deserve by going to trail. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that movie. I, I wasn't like falling all over it. Like yeah. some people were. And people get real confused that I don't like the sacrament because it's essentially a retelling of Jonestown. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my problem with it is that yeah. I'm like, you should just watch a documentary about Jonestown. Like okay. this brings nothing new to the table. Like it's mm-hmm. literally just Jonestown, but let's call it something else and make it into a movie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, I guess unpopular opinions. I- I'm a trauma fan. I like trauma movies. The in-house movies, <laughs> the movies they acquire, not so much, but I, I love Lloyd Kaufman. I recognize how extremely problematic a lot of their work is, absolutely, but they were kind of a part of me becoming a horror fan, like a full-fledged horror fan, so I get that those movies are not for everybody, absolutely, but I enjoy them very much. Cool. Yeah. I remember. Something about uh, Ty West or trauma? <laughs> No, but I, I can't think of what else Ty West has done besides X. Innkeepers, which I also watched. Which I haven't is just seen it. Boring as shit. I mean, I just <laughs> the poster just looks boring. I think that's why I've never watched it. Yeah, so. yeah, it's I clearly I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> if you could remake or reboot one horror movie or franchise, which one would it be? Oh wow! I mean, what hasn't been remade or rebooted at this point in time? Yeah. Well, if something was done not well, you could reboot it again. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think that the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot, the one with Jessica Biel in it was not good. So <laughs> I would try that again with some people who maybe got the source material and like, didn't try to make it into this like yeah. music video looking thing. Yeah. But other than that, I'm trying to think, you know what I would actually suggest Event Horizon, because for a few reasons, I think it would look better with like new CGI and new things like that. And, you know, the movie that, this is another unpopular (laughs) or opinion of mine. I love the Resident Evil movies. I recognize they are terrible. They are not good, (laughs) but they're like, for me, they're like potato chips. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is fun. This is comforting. Like not everything has to be get out. No, no, not everything has to get out. Exactly. But I haven't seen the newest one though, the reboot or whatever they're doing with it, the Raccoon City. I, I'll watch it, but I haven't gotten to it yet. But, you know, the, the guy who did most of those, Paul W.S. Anderson did Event Horizon. And he, his original cut of it was a good bit darker and gorier and disturbing. And the studio made him cut a lot of that out. And a lot of that is just lost. Now, some of it is retained, but a lot of it is lost. And I would like to see somebody else take a crack at that and, and make it scarier, darker, gorier with updated effects. That would be cool. 
Yeah, cool. I just watched that for the first time in January. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I, yeah, I thought it was a little bit cheesy just given totally. the time yeah. that it was yeah. made, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> what I was going to say before is speaking of cult and John Goodman, have you seen the movie Red State? No, I haven't. And I, I am, a, <laughs> I, I, love I, that am one. A, I am a fan of Kevin Smith as a person. I think he should have stopped making movies a little <laughs> while ago around maybe Red State. Although I will watch Red State one day. I want to give it a try. Is it good? I love it. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite, like underrated horror movies mm-hmm. or underseen horror movies. Yeah. 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 And John Goodman is just so good in it. Oh so. yeah. No, I'm sure he is. He's, he's good in whatever you put him in. He's one of those actors, but that one I will watch, but everything, the rest, he, Clerks 3 is coming out. Oh my God. Stop, please. Just I've never <laughs> seen any of the Clerks movies. This is the only Kevin Smith movie I've ever seen. So well, and this, this is the hard part about Kevin Smith. And I, I'll try not to make this too much of a tangent is that he is a super nice guy. He is a super nice. I've met him twice. He is a super nice. And, and it's not just my experience. It's like, try to go online and find somebody who's had a bad experience with Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. It's like Keanu Reeves. Like no one has had a bad experience <laughs> with this person. And my dad worked in the, the movie industry for his entire career. He didn't work on any Kevin Smith movies. But again, somebody that you never heard a bad word about. So I really like him as a person. The two times I met him, which was literally just seeing him somewhere and walking up to him and being like, hi, I really like some of your movies. (laughs) And him just like striking up a conversation with me for like no good reason, you know? So I like him a lot as a person, but like the movies just stop. Yeah, that's fair. I will. I will not watch Clerks or mm-hmm. Clerks two or three. So. Yeah. Well, and then there's Tusk and oh yeah, like, there's the Tusk. Hoser, Hosers, and it's just like, <laughs> please stop. No one, no one's watching this. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, my final question is: If you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain, who would it be? Oh wow! Is this a question you ask everybody since the pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, if I had to spend, I really want to think about this here. Who would it be? Hmm. You know what? I'm going to go, even though I'm not a huge fan of the Child's Play series, I've seen most of them. I'm going to go with Chucky because he's tiny. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's a good idea. that's, That's the problem with any of these doll related horror movies, whether it's Chucky or demonic toys or whatever. It's like, just kick them like yeah they'll, they'll flying across the room like it's fine <laughs> lock them in a closet exactly so <laughs> i'm gonna go with chucky because i feel like i might actually survive that cool awesome well yeah. thank you so much for being here this was so much fun do you want to tell everyone where they can find you on the internet if sure. they want to continue chatting with you about horror movies yeah so the the social media i pay the most attention to is my instagram which is uh at healing with dr natalie you can also find the, the, the pieces I've written on bloodygoodhorror.com. That's, that's what I suggest. If you, I have a Facebook, I have a Twitter. L- I literally never check them. I just have a, if this, then that, that posts my Instagram stuff. <laughs> so if you actually want to reach me, go to my website and email me or DM me on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I will see you in trivia soon. Yes, I have no doubt.
that's it for this week's episode of Who's There? I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Natalie Feiblatt, and thanks again to Natalie for coming on. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod or on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at Who's There PC at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and get vaccinated.